for you. Ready? I'm ready. Delightful. Hi. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Here we are. It's we are. 2013, We're back. our oh. first show of 2013. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I've literally just gotten back to the state. <laughs> I have not. Not, not figured. I have been freezing but... my you-know-what off well, for the last week and a half. I was in Vegas, and apparently <laughs> I was down there when um, the world decided to um, actually change it from global warming to <laughs> climate change because it was bloody cold. In Vegas, too? <laughs> yes. Uh, the low last night was in the high teens, low 20s. Oh, wow. And so they had freezing pipes all over town. It's been a mess down there. I'm like, I came down here because I wanted to lay by the pool and read a book. Well, I read the book, but I didn't get to lay by the pool. Well, that's interesting because driving over here, I was going to complain about the fact that I have been here in the frigid temperatures while you've been in warm Vegas for the last week. But yeah, and, and you don't get to anymore. <laughs> but you were still in Vegas, and I was I here. I was in Vegas. I was so. not here for the opening of the session. <laughs> um, I was not here to turn 40 years old, which we will never mention again. And uh, yeah. That's that's how it is. Well, we might as well start there. Huh. With? So, you turned 40. I did turn 40. But I didn't... That wasn't the first thing that happened last week. Last <laughs> week, the first thing that happened was the session started. Mm-hmm. I was in Oregon at that point. Okay. Drinking Manhattans. <laughs> Everybody's like, hey, it's the first day of the session. We're going to find out whether it'll be good or crazy. And I was like, you have fun. <laughs> I'm not even going to pay attention. I have I'm no idea. Manhattans. I honestly have no idea what's happened. I As like, you should. Why would you know? You've been in Vegas. Who pays attention to Montana legislature when they're in Vegas? Well, one would hope no one. But, uh, you know, sometimes you can't avoid that stuff. And I tried to stay off of Twitter and Facebook, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I was really pretty good about it. But, um, yeah. What happened? What happened? I don't know. Um, let's see. We had Inauguration Day, mm-hmm. which was outside in, like, 20-degree weather. Mm, welcome to Montana. We have our legislature in the snow. Well, and usually they do Inauguration inside, but I guess everybody was trying to prove their, you know... montana Montana manliness or something. And uh, so <laughs> that was outside. I also skipped the Inauguration ceremonies. Um, for me, it was, like... It was actually a surprise to have the legislative session started. I, I had like a great holiday break and New Year's and work that week prior to the legislative session starting. And then my partner and I actually went away for the weekend up mm. to Flathead Lake um, the weekend before the legislative session started. So it was like I woke up Monday morning and kind of like you, everybody was caring about the legislature and I was just kind of still in you know, la la land. And, um, like I would care, but I don't. (laughs) So, uh, I think my first actual visit to the Capitol was on Tuesday. Uh Um, and then full day was on Wednesday and it was actually surreal for me because it was a little bit, I knew it was going to be an adjustment for me to go to the Capitol. I mean, obviously this is like my seventh legislative session. So not that kind of an adjustment, but being, you know, two months out from the election. And I feel like I've sort of, um, dealt with my feelings about not winning, obviously. Um, but I knew some things were going to come up for me as I reentered that process. But I guess something I didn't expect was that, you know, there was probably a good hundred people or so who I see regularly at the Capitol, but hadn't seen since the election. So basically the first two or three days I was there, every person I saw, had the like sad had to open the face right and it was like i described it to somebody as if 
it was like I was sick or something. And everybody Ugh. was sort of expressing their, you know, sorrow their and grief. sympathy. It's for not me. cancer. It's an election. <laughs> I know. So that was kind of weird because on the one hand, I was kind of in the mind frame, to, mind frame of wanting to go up there and just focus on the task at hand. And, you know, I knew I was going to be dealing with my internal sort of resentment at times. But I didn't expect to have to respond to everybody's laments about the fact that I didn't loot or that I lost and that I wasn't going to be there on the committee and all this other kind of stuff. So it was on the one hand, nice to have so many supporters express that sort of concern and empathy, but it was also made the first week difficult. So Mm. that's my personal perspective in terms of what happened at the legislature. They had all of the traditional, you know, starting ceremony stuff. The speaker of the house is elected and then speaks to the sort of tenor that he wants to see in the House um, side of the legislature. The um, majority leader speaks, the minority leader, minority leader, and that's true in both the Senate and the House. And there was a lot of talk of, you know, bipartisan solutions, and we're all here to do the work of the people and all of that kind of stuff. And And so far, it seems to be fairly true. There hasn't been a lot of partisan bickering going on thus far, although I think one thing we observed in... Um, the elections of leadership was that the Republicans chose to um, put fairly conservative members of their party in leadership positions and in committee chair positions. So where there were choices for sort of a more moderate approach, um, they yeah, often... They do, it looks like... Yeah, and you're being very politic and nice. uh, I'm trying to be like... Um, whereas you know. I'll call it what it is, they double down on the crazy. They picked, they picked the leaders that are absolutely going to pull the biggest stunts imaginable. Now, does that mean that they're going to be completely out of line all the time? No, they're they're human and I think they're actually trying to do a good job, but mm-hmm. sometimes their perspective is so skewed that it, I and I made that I made that discovery when they first made the announcements back in what December. Right. Well, but see it's balanced because on the one hand, like Esmin is clearly Senator Esmin who's now the Senate president. He is the most experienced member of that body other than Jim Peterson who they elected or they chose not to elect again. Um, he is... <laughs> Can't imagine yeah. why. <laughs> he is much more conservative, um, Esmond is. But then on the House side, they pick somebody like Blasdell as their speaker, and he, compared to some of the people they could have picked, is you know not moderate by any means, but not like partisan showy politics kind of a guy. So, but I, I'm most concerned about some of the committee chairs. So uh, for instance, we have Creighton Kearns, we have Chris Hansen, you know, all these people who are kind of chairing committees that are really, um, outside their bailiwick. (laughs) Well, and, and like somebody who doesn't really believe in, um, the system, the sort of things that come in front of the judiciary, judiciary committee to be in charge of the judiciary committee, you know, things like that. So that's helpful. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, but so far I think things have been pretty tame. Like, uh, we've started testifying in house judiciary. We testified on an immigration bill this morning and, you know, compare compared to hearings past. And I think we're just getting started, but it was fairly, um, routine and sort of low, tension and low drama. Yeah. And I, you know, a group of us were talking cause tomorrow we have the first anti-choice bill. And of course the first hearing will be sort of, um, more collegial, but it'll, it'll get as intense as it did before. I do think that there's a big difference because there's so many freshman legislators 
Republicans especially on that House Judiciary Committee that they're not queued up yet to really um, act as the members of that committee did last session. They'll probably get there. But when you don't have somebody like Bob Wagner or other Republicans who were on that committee who traditionally really sort of stirred the pot, both Mm -hmm. in statements and questioning, the (laughs) new Republican legislators are just sort of, you know, getting their footing. So I'm sure it'll come with time. But so far, it's been pretty, um, I don't know, uneventful. Hmm. I saw, I've only seen two things, and I checked, they were both things I saw today. Um, Bryce posted something about uh, Jen Gursky. She wrote a piece in the Missoulian or in the Billings Gazette. It's probably the same piece. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> about a bill that she's sponsoring with Sarah Laszlofi, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was interesting. The mm-hmm. two names I really didn't expect to see there, but it's about sex trafficking. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then um, the other one was a tweet today about um, removing same day registration. Yeah, <clears throat> this morning there was a hearing in state administration and um, Representative Washburn, who's from the Billings area or no, Bozeman, I, I'm sorry, Bozeman area. He last session brought all of the sort of changing the voter registration bills. They were all defeated and he's bringing them all back. So today well, hopefully was, they'll be defeated again, because yeah. it, you know, the big statement is, is I have no proof, but I'm sure it's happening. Well, if you have no proof then you're just a fool. Yeah, today was the, you know, not having same-day registration, and apparently there was a huge opposition and, like, no proponents well, on Wednesday it, thing, bill to He doesn't even have support in the Republican Party. Because the Republican Party really doesn't want that changed. It's how they get people at the last minute when they need to as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole point. <laughs> get everyone to vote. Duh. Right. Anyway. I thought it was interesting because Senator Tester... Sorry. Senator Tester spoke today um, to the House and Senate, and he had a line about corporations aren't people. And the House Dems all stood up and clapped and stuff, and not a single Republican clapped. I thought maybe Mike Miller clapped <laughs> for a second, but um, yeah, like nobody clapped. So it's interesting because whenever those kind of outside speakers come in, whether it's Bacchus or the governor or Tester, um, it's sort of like watching the state of the union on the federal level. You like watch how the parties react to different statements. And there were several things that Tester said today that the Republicans refused to um, acknowledge or sort of show support, show support for. Um and I don't know that it's indicative that they wouldn't actually support particular legislation. It's more of that political statement. We're not going to clap for this statement from right. Senator Tester. But we don't like you. Yeah. We're going to sit on our hands and there shall be no clapping. Yeah. But there'll be a ton of campaign finance bills that they do support. And there's a lot in the hopper. So. Okay. So, well, that's interesting. It sounds like the session is off to a brilliant start, I guess. And what we've heard is that they're trying to um, move the session forward really quickly so that they can get done early. You may remember from last session they had all this strategy about trying to get the session done early so that if there's um, vetoes or um, things that need to be worked out in the budget in the last few days, they can sort of in the session temporarily and then have extra days to hold on to. Right. Um, and it seems to be that they are pushing that because many of the committees usually start out a little bit slower, but you know, house judiciary has five bills up tomorrow and they're certainly trying to, wow. Yeah. Push, um, legislation through quickly. It usually five gets bills. bottlenecked in the Senate a bit. Things usually 
take longer in the Senate. But um, the House has just so many more bills and so many more people sponsoring bills that they have to really start straight out the gate. But we'll see if they actually succeed in ending the session early again. Oh, well, they ended the session early last year by, what, two days? Or last session last Something year? Like that. Two years ago. It seems like it was just last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like we've had to deal with them every single day. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, so you haven't missed much, basically. Uh, no, and I didn't expect to miss Long much. I, ex- I expected to miss, you know, like, it's going to be the inauguration. Everybody gets in there and kind of, you know, everybody wants to hit the ground running. But it's kind of like the beginning of a, a marathon where everybody's where they've sprayed a bunch of oil on the ground. Because everybody yeah. tries to run, but there's a lot of slipping and falling. And so. there was so much training last week. I mean, it's, you know, law school for legislators and the right. budget trainings and individual committee trainings and all that kind of stuff. I heard so. that the Republicans actually showed up to some of that this year they did a which, ton of it huh. and that is a sign i mean they were they were really collegial with the budget director and stuff like that it's just a very so far in terms of how the governor's office and sort of the executive administration is working with the republicans seems to be much better because it was pretty adversarial between schweitzer's office and the legislature towards how, the end. How so. much of that you, do you think is actually because Schweitzer is adversarial in how he deals with people? He's not in the office anymore. You can say whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> well, I was actually just trying to formulate an answer. Um, I think it's partly that. And I also think that uh, Schweitzer's style is to be more adversarial. But he also really asserted his power. So right. his... His instructions to like his budget director, and of course I wasn't there to hear what the instructions were, but I would assume it was kind of like, you know, you don't have to play nice. Sort of, this is where we're going to stand. You know, because Schweitzer like called a bunch of us into his office early part of last session and was like really adamant that we worked with his numbers around the budget as opposed to working with LFD, which is Legislative Fiscal Division. So it's it's to the point where like Schweitzer's strategy and personality and all those things were much more sort of in your face, adversarial, we are right, you're wrong. Um, And so like when the budget director would present things, he never got like, you know, this time Dan Villa got to stand up in front of the whole, anybody who wanted to come and present the budget. Hmm. Um, Schweitzer's budget director was sometimes invited to house appropriations. (laughs) You know, it wasn't the same sort of platform provided. Interesting. And I think that it's clear that they're trying to work with Bullock's administration to be much more cooperative and we'll see how that plays out. I think some of us on the left are a little bit afraid that, um, if pushed too far, it might be an indication that Bullock doesn't stand up for kind of defending the Democrats within the legislative process, but we'll see. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's all very sort of crystal ball seance yes. Interesting thing today is that I was at the Capitol, you know, running around. When you're at the Capitol and you're a lobbyist, you, like, you're w- walking down a hall... You're looking for somebody, you go down the next floor, you come back up, you walk down the hall again, and in a span of about three and a half minutes, I walked by your mom, mm-hmm. like three times. <laughs> the first time I came out of Senate Judiciary, she said hello to me, and I was like, oh, hi, and then I kept moving, and it was like, I don't know who that is. It, it was one of those moments <laughs> where it was just like, memory, you know, yeah. and so then I went downstairs, and I came back up, and I walked by her again, and then I came down, and I walked by her again, I'm like, sorry, I keep passing you guys, and she was with Rusty Harper. And, um, that's her boss. Right. And that's when she stopped me and she's like, oh, Kelson, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, 
oh, because she said, Kevin's going to be back and you guys are going to do a podcast or something. I was like, oh, that's who you are. Like, I knew I knew her <laughs> face, but it took me a second to figure out who she was. And then we had a brief conversation about your visit to Vegas or whatever. And I just thought it was funny because, um, first of all, you feel a little like, do these people think I'm crazy when I walk by them three times? You know? Uh, well, remember that like they minutes. walked past you. <laughs> right, exactly. No, they were in one place, but uh. they were waiting for someone. You do a lot of walking around like a crazy person and then waiting for somebody awkwardly as they end a conversation. Yeah, so, and well, so. and mom's been around the legislature for, well, other than when she didn't live in Montana, pretty much every session right. that we've been around. So 1979. And her job at the Secretary of State is what? She's the head of notary compliance. Okay. So she helps them, she's helped them fix the notary laws because notary laws really were abused pretty badly during the mortgage crisis. Hmm. Um, the, the auto... Uh, notary stuff that the banks pulled is was a lot of the problems that went on, and um, part of the reason that Montana wasn't hit nearly as bad as they could have been mm-hmm. is because she got a law passed that needed to be in place for many many years. And um, you know, I say she because she's my mom, and she you know <laughs> helped make it done. But she really did. I mean, it was her, and obviously Linda McCullough, the Secretary of State, mm-hmm. and Rusty certainly did a lot with it. But there was a lot of work that had to happen because you had to get the Republicans to sign off on it, but they got the um, journal in place. Mm-hmm. And so now when notaries notarize something, they also have to document it in their journal that they notarized uh, what type of notary it was and who it was for. Right. And yeah, it's that's numbered a huge in order. I remember the times where you could just like, oh, yeah, I'm a notary. Here's my seal. Sign it. And yeah. you never see the document again, you know? Right. And um, the reason that it's necessary has, has actually saved many people's homes. Mm-hmm. You know, little things. No big deal. <laughs> So um, there were a couple of Republicans I know that were originally behind the bill and then they weren't behind the bill because they they got some bad information and then they were behind the bill again and it was just sort of all crazy left, right, back and forth, da 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 mm-hmm. And then it finally passed and then there were a couple of people who were... There was a couple, couple of cleanup things that were supposed to happen last session but uh, ended up not happening um, and they were actually trying to remove the need for the or the requirement for the journal mm-hmm. is what that was the bill that actually got passed mom was livid several republicans should have been taken out and beaten <laughs> with a stick anyway that was one of the ones that the governor vetoed and he wasn't going to veto it because mm-hmm. he didn't understand it at all until and i i could be wrong on this but i'm pretty sure it was patty keebler who went into his when was talking to him is like no you don't understand and she told him you know a very specific case about this person their house, you know, they, they mm-hmm. were put into foreclosure, but they didn't even have a loan at the bank. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it was stopped is because they could prove the notary was wrong, so it wasn't valid documents, so it was stopped. And they would have lost their house, you know. Wow. And so the governor went, what, what, what kind of BS is this? Veto. <laughs> nice. So, you know, that's what she does. She t- she's part of the people that make sure that your transactions are legal and verifiable and done right so mm-hmm. that you don't get screwed out of your property. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I saw so, her. So good. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sorry I missed the first week. I was down in Vegas. I read a book. Well, I would like to hear about Vegas because I don't want to talk about the legislature the whole time. So <laughs> tell me more about Vegas. <laughs> well, I'll tell you about the trip. Because first off, my sister and my niece moved to Portland. And so right, my you drove niece, someone out there, right, right? I drove my niece out there. But what I did is I drove my car to Missoula and then and my niece was driving behind me in her car. And then we drove in her car out to Portland. I left my car in Missoula because when I flew back, I just flew back to Missoula from Vegas. Okay. So this was pretty good. Um, 
originally why I was going to go was it was just my birthday and I wanted to get out of town. It's cheap to go down to Vegas and a friend of mine has a hotel. And so I was just like, all right, I'll go down. No big deal. A friend of yours has a hotel. Yeah. It's not on the strip. It's not like a friend. Owns <laughs> what the does that mean? <laughs> no, he actually owns a hotel. It's a little one. It's nice. Wow. Um, so I went down and I was staying there. Uh-huh. Um, and I was, re- and you know, I was just literally going cause I wanted to read my book, maybe lay by the pool, nothing else. I'm not going down there to gamble cause I don't gamble. I don't really know anybody down there except for my friend Tanya, which of course I'm going to see her and go out and she's a party host. So, um, we'd go to the newest, fanciest nightclub and have a fabulous time, which we did. <laughs> um, but really I wasn't down there to do anything, right? but read a book. And um, mission accomplished. I accomplished that. Uh, it was the final book in the Wheel of Time series. It's the fourteenth book. This is a series that I, and I, I'm sure we talked about this mm-hmm. at some point, but it, it's a series that I've been reading since I was twenty. I'm now forty. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of glad that the series got finished. I'm not glad that it's over, but I'm definitely glad that it had an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, just had a good time. The weird thing was, it was cold. It was, it was really cold down there in Vegas. I mean, mm-hmm. like the highs were in the low 40s on the on the warmest days. Wow. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I could have gotten <laughs> this at home. The Chinooks will come through and be the same temperature. Absolutely. So, so you didn't do like the straight up Vegas experience, the strip no, and all that? No, I've done that before and I'm not a big fan. Mm-hmm. Like I, um, my friend Brian, who met me down there, he's from D.C. He's like, well, I have to go do my tour of the strip. And I'm like, I got a book to read. Have fun. you didn't even go with him as a tourist no i just i'm not big on the tourist stuff like even when i go when i've been to london or uh paris or any place that i've been i don't do the touristy things i just Mm -hmm. can't i'm Mm -hmm. i'm i'm uh completely against it i end up going (laughs) to do the things that the locals do because that's more fun i go to the local pubs i hang out with the people that you can meet there and Mm -hmm. you know find a little hole in the wall places for food and Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff because it's more fun um, at least for me. I don't know how it is for anybody else. But, mm-hmm. you know, so that was my biggest trip. But the big thing was is I had gone out to Portland beforehand, so I got to see a bunch of my friends from Portland before I went to Yeah, you were on Vegas. a long extended trip. Yes. Well, t- 10 days? That's pretty long. Yeah. Miss, I went to Seattle for 10 days. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but it was nice. Um, the, the funny thing was, is on Monday night, I met up with my friend Cameron, and we went out, and we had these. Uh, we went to the Hotel Deluxe, went to the... Um, uh, bar there, and they have the most amazing Manhattan <laughs> you've ever had. And I had what makes a, it so amazing? Uh, it just the whole thing. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. And I I photocopied or I took a picture of the recipe because I want to go buy all the stuff to make it and figure it out because it was that good. But I had mm-hmm. five of them, Ooh. and I would like to point out a Manhattan is nothing but liquor, 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 and a cherry. <laughs> <laughs> and then you flew to Vegas the next day? No, wait, there's more. Oh, okay. So I had like five of those in like an hour because apparently I was thirsty and I'm stupid. And then we went to Vault, the martini bar, oh my which gosh. is like four blocks away. And the bartender there, who was hot as can be. Is this first all off, Portland? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it was his birthday as well. He's like 26, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a lot of drinks there. Uh, I was very happy I was not driving. As Cameron said, you were bombed. (laughs) (laughs) I was very, also very happy that my flight to Vegas the next day was in the evening because I would not have gotten up for the morning flight. Oh, geez. It was great. So I had a really good time, you know, and I had a great birthday. Where do you stay in Portland? I actually stayed with a friend of mine. Mm. So he was like, come stay at my place. I'm like, all right, works for me. So then you went to Vegas and. Went Went to Vegas, got there. My book was there. 
Do you have any funny stories from Vegas? Uh, nope. There's, it, they stay in Vegas. Oh, I don't like that. Well, they're certainly not going on a podcast. <laughs> is that what the, <laughs> the hashtag was? Yeah. Stays in Vegas. Or if you notice, it says stays I in Vegas. I share all could... sorts of personal life stuff on here. Yeah. I read a not book. Not even one nugget. <laughs> Well, no, I'll tell you about ACT. Actually, okay, so we went to, my friend Tanya was like, well, we're going to go to ACT. I'm like, okay. First, we went to Planet Hollywood so we, we, we could talk, and she, they had something else to do. She and her boyfriend, husband, Takuma is his name. Um, he had to do something at Planet Hollywood. So we went there first, and we were sitting in the sports bar there, which is really cool, because they've got 75 screens up, and they're showing everything that's going on in the world. Wow. Which is kind of obnoxious. Which hotels? Planet Hollywood. Oh, the, Yeah. Got it. And uh, which is really funny because I used to work at the Planet Hollywood restaurant in Phoenix, uh-huh. but that's not there anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, so we're sitting there, we're talking, and, you know, ha- having a nice conversation. It was great. And then we go, well, we're going to go to ACT. Well, we get over to Palazzo. It's a brand new nightclub in Palazzo. Okay. Now, Palazzo is phenomenally beautiful and it's just a stunning place. And then you go into ACT, and ACT is a modern nightclub. In sort of the burlesque um, style. So it's got like balcony up above the, you know, the VIPs. They had it closed that night because they weren't busy enough, which was odd. Um, or they just had it closed. I don't know because it was packed. So I don't mm-hmm. know why they were thinking it wasn't busy enough. But what they do is they have a really great DJ who does a set of about 45 minutes and then they have an act that comes down and does a performance and it's like Cirque du Soleil. Mm. And. <laughs> Sounds awesome. This is the thing, yeah. So you so you get up to the third level, and you kind of have to wander around to get in there. And it's this little tiny place in the back, and you're thinking, oh, odd. And then you get in there, you walk around the corner, and there's this statue of Buck Angel. And for those of you who don't know who Buck Angel is, he is a transsexual porn star, but he hasn't ever had the bottom surgery. Mm-hmm. So female to male, and um, super super great guy. And, and but there's a statue of him right there as you walk in, nude. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Hey. It is Buck Angel. Good to know. <laughs> um, so already you're in a, in a place where you're like, hmm, could be weird, could be interesting. And then it was just fun. It was it was great music. It was good drinks. It was nice. I, I had a blast. We were there until 3 in the morning. Hmm. So dancing and listening to music and watching the shows. So, <laughs> and your so friend that was works awesome. there? Uh, Tanya, no, she she actually is an esthetician. And then um, she has her husband has a hosting company. And they take corporate parties out to the strip so it's a pretty cool gig hmm. so so good vegas. times good times very much only in vegas <laughs> very much so no i'm sure there are parties that there are companies that do that in new york and whatnot but <laughs> right but very much a vegas thing and you know it was fun it was a really good time mm-hmm. but it was also one of those times where i was like oh <laughs> I, I my check liver light isn't on because i burned it out <laughs> Well, that's what the days in Vegas are for, is recovery. Uh, oh, true. But usually it's involving laying in the sun and having the yeah, sun but, soak but up could, all the alcohol. Yeah, which you couldn't really do because if you laid in the sun, sun you still would have been covered in frost. <laughs> it was bad. But yeah. yeah, so, you know, it was a nice vacation. It was a nice getaway. And I really, I brought all of my utensils with me just in case somebody had some major trauma and I needed to fix a site or something, but I really didn't want to. Never once opened my computer. It was brilliant. Wow. And once I started reading the book, I really didn't open my iPad either. 
you know, turn it on. I was on my phone a lot, but that's amazing. You know, it was it, it, very nice. And for me, it was very amazing to not be on Twitter going, Oh, I wonder what's going on in the world. But the one time I logged into Twitter, the first thing I saw were like seven posts about the legislature. And I'm like, out, turn can't off, can't do it, <laughs> can't do it. And not because I don't want to be involved, but because I want to be sane when I am involved. And I needed the break. I needed the break. Anybody yeah. who hasn't taken a vacation, um, and I am. On some level, a workaholic, I like being busy. I like doing, you know, having things going on. But taking an actual vacation where you go and don't do anything is important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are lots of vacations that I take where I go off and do something stupid. Right. You know, I'm going away for the weekend. What are you doing? I'm going to go ski and drink. And then you come back on Monday, your exactly. knees hurt and your yeah. liver's missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I think there's a difference between like a getaway versus an actual vacation where you're disconnected from technology. And I mean, from and the from thing I'm life. known for is going life. to a beach where I just like, you know, tune out completely. So, yeah. And I haven't really done that in I'm trying to think the last time I did that it was probably 2001 mm-hmm. it's just yeah, that most people don't go to Vegas to do that I know well <laughs> most people go to reason, Vegas to like right, you know be jacked up all thing. week so right and I'm like no um, and that's part of the reason that I didn't stay on the strip because the strip is I mean the last time I stayed on the strip I was right over a nightclub which is fine because I could sleep with the thumping music, but I could also just get up and dance, and it was a 24-hour nightclub, so it was always just there, and I was like, da 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 And that was during NAB last year, so I was like, hey, happiness and joy, I'm dancing. Da-da-da. You're in the shower, the music's thumping, and the oh, water's geez. thumping, and you know. But I really didn't want that this Yeah, time. I have a good time in Vegas, but you have to be in the mood for it. It has to right. be what you want to do. Right. And everybody was like, well, I don't understand why you're going to Vegas and you're not going to gamble. And I was like, because I'm getting away from people. And I don't know many people there. I know one right. person, really. Right. You know, and my goals are my goals. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to meet my goals. But you had a friend is... visit with you? Yeah. So my friend Brian, who's actually Urban Bohemian on Twitter, um, he, when I mentioned I was going, he was like, can I come? And I was like, mm, get a plane ticket. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> the price is right. And uh, he's like, okay. So when I booked my flights, he booked his. So he was coming in about the same time and flying out about the same time, which was great. And we just hung out, which was really cool. And he did his thing when he wanted to, and I did my thing when I wanted to, and Mm -hmm. it was fine. Now, is this somebody you only knew through electronics? Through Twitter, yeah. Wow. It's amazing how many relationships you've built through Twitter. Well, and, you know, the, there was this discussion that goes around about every eight months or so that Facebook is the friends that you is the people in your real life that you hate. And Twitter is the people that you'd like in your real life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and that's not really true because there's a huge overlap of the two in mine. Yeah. Um, but it it is very much true that I've met really, really cool people strictly through Twitter. I've never met somebody strictly through Facebook. Uh-huh. But Twitter, very much so. How does that happen? Well, you end up following them, and then you end up in a conversation with them, and at some point you build a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and then what it usually is is that um, they do like a meetup. If they're one of the people that you know have thousands of followers, they do like a meetup, and you go and you meet them, and you know, I happen to be an interesting person, I guess, because <laughs> I make friends with people once I meet them in person, and you mm-hmm. know, then it ends up being good. Wow. So. That's fun. And, like, Brian is just one of those people. He's a great blogger. He's got a great sense of humor. And he's just very fun. And, you know, he tweets interesting things. So I've always thought he was funny. And we usually get into these great conversations. At one point, we were live tweeting. Um, do you remember that horrible NBC show, V, about the aliens that came down and ate yes. birds? Right. Well, they rebroadcasted on Sci-Fi two years ago. Uh-huh. And we were live tweeting it. Because we had both watched it as kids. We're about the same age. And... 
it, you know, as kids, that's a great show. That was awesome. And plus it was the 80s, but it was science and there was lasers and <laughs> aliens and it was really cool and we were 12. <laughs> but now you're an adult and you're watching it and you're going, oh my God. <laughs> and that's what we were tweeting. about this. Right. And then we were tweeting along with it and everybody hated us. They're like, stop tweeting this crap. I'm not going to follow you. Well, I'm like, unfollow, motherfucker. <laughs> <sighs> so, but yeah. it wasn't weird at all to meet in person? No. No, because I felt like I'd know, I've known him because we've had so many conversations. I mean, I've been following him and talking to him for two and a half, three years. Oh, wow. So, no, it wasn't the weird. The thing I think is interesting about Twitter, and I guess it's true about Facebook, but Twitter seems so public to me when people talk back and forth Except to for each yours, other. Except for yours, Mr. No. <laughs> Miss. I've locked my account. Which apparently, I guess, uh, Tim Fox did, too. No, all I do is that I I have to approve people to follow me. That's right. the only that's thing. That's that's a non-public account. Yeah, but so it means that anybody who's not following you can't see your tweets. Exactly. Well, see, and I don't do that. And, and part of the reason that I don't do that is because I firmly believe that if you think that's going to stop people from seeing your tweets, uh, no, it won't. I no, it's know. not so much that. It's like I want to know who's actually following me. Right. I can, I can understand that. I don't care on that level. And right. I learned so long ago that if you're going to write it down, it can come back and bite you in the ass. That, you know, don't write down stupid shit that can come back and bite you in the ass. Or if it's going to come back, know it's going to come back and be prepared. Mm. You know, there's plenty of times when I've done that because it'll be fun. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> aha, there's a bowl of shit and I have a spoon. I shall stir. <laughs> but you know what I mean? When you communicate back and forth with each other, it shows up for the other people. You know? No, no, it doesn't directly. In fact, if you communicate to them, if you at them directly, it only shows up in their timeline. Oh. If you put a dot before, that's why the people put the dot before it. That shows up in everybody's as a regular tweet and in the conversation hmm. thread. See, this is the other reason I only view Twitter and don't really tweet that much because I don't know all the rules. Well, and the rules happened organically. I don't know where that <laughs> one came from because that one's stupid. Um, there's another system called alpha.app.net. That is sort of a Twitter replacement, and they're not going to do ads. You pay to be a member of it. And so it's a little bit more developer-driven. It's a little bit more geeky. Mm -hmm. um, but the nice thing about it is that they, you know, they respond to requests that the users have, not that the advertisers have, because there are no advertisers. So Yeah, I actually have gotten tired of that in both Facebook and Twitter, which is that every other tweet or every other post is an ad. Or some, like, you know, this tweet is promoted or something. So it's, like, not people I followed or that right. I'm friends we with. Need to get you like... a, we need to get you a better Twitter client so you're not having to see that stuff. Oh. Because it'll make more. Like, Twitter, when it first started out, was really, really cool. Because it was literally just, what am I doing right now? It was about being in the now and finding out what was going on. Well, I was following, it was 2000, it was January 2007, I guess, when I joined. Um, and... You know, I started following all of the friends that I could find that were on there, but I also started following people that were talking about interesting things. Mm -hmm. And so I've met really cool people. I've met um, uh, Michael Johnson, who's the lead developer at Pixar. I've met uh, April Reed, who actually um, just moved from Dallas to Denver or Colorado Springs. I don't quite remember Colorado Springs. And, um, you know, met Brian. I met I've met a ton of people and I've met them in real life separate from Twitter, but because of Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it was simply because they were tweeting something interested, interesting that I was interested in, so I decided, well, why not? I'll just follow them and see if I like them. If I don't, I can unfollow them, because it's not like it's a permanent decision. Mm -hmm. And they don't know me, so if I unfollow them, mm -hmm. what are they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the so one thing I don't know how to do is if somebody is following me and I don't want them to be following me anymore, I have not figured out how to get rid of them. Block. Just hit block. Oh, okay. Just hit block. Yeah, we need to get you a better Twitter client so that you can get around <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, Twitter also, there's just so much information on there. There is, but that's why it's so cool, because it's not tied into, you know, you've only got 140 characters, which was originally put into place so that it could work as a text message, so that Mm -hmm. you'd have the name of the person and their entire tweet could fit in a text. Which, when I first joined Twitter, I was following so few people who tweeted so little that... I was able to actually just receive them as text. And then it got to the point where all of a sudden my phone sounded like birds. Well, no, because I had a sound on my phone that was like birds chirping. And then it sounded like birds were fucking in my pants. Because I'm like, Jesus. So I had to turn that off at some point. But, you know, I was only following 60, 70 people at the mm-hmm. time. Now I'm following like 400 some odd. And I got 800 followers. And mm-hmm. like, oh, people everywhere. But the people I follow are interesting. And they're interesting to me not because I know them, but because the subjects that they find interesting are outside of the areas that I necess- that I know about on my own. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly being educated by these people who are proving themselves over and over again to be bright, engaged people, which I think is a really cool thing. And it's harder to do that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Huh. You know, I really like that. Is the empty leg, empty ledge? It's tag, been used. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really hoping that legislative services will get some money. I talked to Bryce about this, that they should talk about um, getting some social media displays put in place up at the Capitol so Mm -hmm. that we can see what's going on right now. What are people tweeting about right now? Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need to see 30 minutes ago. Show me what's happening now. Give me that tag. Put it up on a wall. Let everybody see it. Because some stuff could be happening in another committee that you don't see. You wander around. Pull it up on the board. Yeah, it's the only way I know what's going on. I mean, like. Literally, people in the Capitol use it as a communication tool. Right, and they should. That's what it's for. Yeah, because it's like I never get to go to another committee room. I have to stay in the Judiciary Committees, but it's nice to know what's going on in state admin on voter rights, you know? Mm, Fun. So what else has been going on outside of the session? How was your week? I mean, it snowed here. It looks like we got, what, a foot? Uh, When did it snow? This weekend was just cold. It snowed Friday... It snowed kind of off and on. It was snowy last Thursday was the big dump. Mm. So woke up Thursday morning and it was like a dump of snow and I was tired and I decided to stay in bed. (laughs) That was last Thursday. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to take a day off. So Uh, last Thursday I spent the day in bed and Jen was off too. And we just like, you know, stayed in for the snowstorm. This weekend I actually had to go to Butte um, and Butte America is cold. Yeah, it was like negative 20 there yesterday. Yeah, like here it was cold, but there it was cold. Well, there and I think it's even colder. 1,300 feet above us. And I think it's even colder in Uptown Butte. Oh, up on the hill? Mm-hmm. Well, of course it is. It's higher up. So I was at the Hotel Finland and it was for the the Policy Institute, which is the Progressive Policy Institute, not the other thing that's called Policy Institute that's conservative. There's like two. Yeah, I don't understand pol- that. Didn't oh, they one's just- called Montana Policy Institute. And then the one that's progressive is just the Policy Institute. Anyways, um, the Didn't Policy Institute. Don't those people know how the laws work? Um, the Policy Institute started this thing called the Leadership Seminar Series hmm. um, back in 2005. And I was in the class of 2006. And basically every year they have about 20 people from all over the state who are progressive, um, working on a variety of issues. So what were the scare quotes for? (laughs) Well, just because progressive is a, you know, always defined term. Um, so you have people from the environmental movement and, you know, all every movement that you can imagine in Montana, labor, education, tribal, Mm. you know, women's issues, whatever. And they recruit 20, um, 
students for that class and it's a wide variety of ages. So it's not just like 24 year olds, you know, um, but there's certainly plenty of young people and they bring you together four times over the year, um, for weekend retreats. One of them is at the B bar ranch in up by big sky, which is beautiful. Um, not big sky by Yellowstone park. Mm. Anyways, um, so I was in the class of 2006, and um, each year they have the January meeting in Butte, and so I usually go because it's an opportunity for alumni to come in and meet the new class, and last year I spoke at it. This year I didn't. I was looking forward to a speaker they were having on Saturday afternoon who didn't end up making it, and instead I sat in a workshop with somebody who was talking about running for office, (laughs) talking to all these progressives about what it's like to run for office, and it was too soon for me. It was just like, you know, this guy who had won, um, the, basically the mayor of Butte, um, he was talking about everything that happened in his campaign and winning and all of that kind of stuff. And at the end I was just kind of like, okay, so, um, I ran for office and I lost, but, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what was most difficult? about running for office or what surprised you or whatever, because and he wouldn't have no idea because he won. There's no, well, he had good stuff to say, <sighs> but I think too often. And I mean, it's for good intention, which is that in a lot of these spaces, people are recruiting people to run for office. And after running for office, I just think that I would impart specific information and suggestions that I would never have known before, but I would tell somebody ahead of time to expect this because when you're deciding to run for office, it's like, you know, people are really encouraging and you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to do this, but they don't really get into the sort of what's going to be difficult. And I just think that there's some things I learned that I would want somebody else to know. So I asked him that question. And then of course my mistake, they turned it back on me and asked me that question, you know, and Uh, Jen Gursky uh, was also in the room. So she got to answer that question. So I absolutely, I mean, I'm, 100% behind recruiting people to run for office. I don't regret it, but I want people like me to know more than what I did. Like, I thought that I wasn't naive, but there were certainly things that I didn't know going into it that I wish somebody would have told me. Have you You figured out if you're going to run again? I mean, I know you will at some, at some point, but do you think, well, your district's changing, isn't it? Totally. And I, I mean, I don't know how long I'll live in that district, you know, life changes and whatever. I know that I'll run for office again someday. I don't know when it'll be, Hmm. um, you know, it could be in two years or it could be in 10 years. I don't know, but, um, I wouldn't set myself up for that same situation, but I honestly feel like you almost have to run again because why'd you learn all of that stuff? I mean, ultimately, hopefully you learned all that stuff and you win. Right. right. And then you end up running again. But if you learn all that stuff and you lose, you almost have to run again because what are you going to do with all that great information? You know, exactly. I would do things differently you let next the time. experience go you know? to waste. Yeah. But I also think that I can serve a purpose in encouraging other people to run for office, but talking to them about some of the things that they can expect. So anyways, I was there. I got to see Denise Juno speak on Saturday night, who I love and love listening to her speak. And what it was different about Denise's story this time is I've heard her, you know, how she got into politics story a hundred times. But she did this thing where she talked about because there's a really important sort of meaning in the fact that we have a Native American woman in a high state public office like that, but specifically that we have a Native American woman in a education, in a public education position. And I'd always known that was significant, but she actually did this opening thing in her speech where she did kind of like a timeline. Like, you know, she was talking about my great grandparents 
were um, shipped off to a boarding school. You know, my grandparents were whatever my parents and she just kind of, and she was like the first generation of publicly educated, not sent to some sort of, you know, this is where we send Indian people. Right. And internment camp for kids. Right. And the fact that like, (sighs) you know, Indians only got the right to vote in the seventies and all this stuff. And it was just this really interesting. And you're like, Oh, right. Like, it was a big deal for her to win because she's my friend and I think she just done a great job and all that stuff. But it's also a big deal that she's in that position in this larger sphere, you know, mm-hmm. in this larger context. And so, although I've seen her speak a hundred times and, you know, there wasn't much new in terms of some of the stuff, it was so great to hear her talk about sort of what her position means, not only in her family history, but also sort of in the history of being a woman and a Native American and the way that Native Americans were treated within our educational system for so long and in terms of their voter rights, you know. So it was great. And then it was freezing cold. And, <laughs> and it was I, mute. Have you ever been to the Hotel Finland and Butte? Yes. Yeah. Did they have it in the big ballroom? Yeah. yeah which and I is was just it's stunning. The whole thing is like, beautiful. Well, it, it is. And it's one of those places where you walk into and go, this is in Montana. Right. Most more importantly, this is in Butte. Yeah. And then you realize, then you've drawn back to, well, at one point they had millionaires coming out. And I really news. encourage people to actually stay there. Like if you stay off, obviously the motel part that's attached is not the fanciest. Most people stay there before they're about to be shipped off to the military. Mm. But the fancy part, the rooms are actually quite nice. It was like 70 bucks a night. And they're like, old rooms like really cool you know it's steam heat and the bathrooms are small and stuff but it's just got so much character but when i talk about the steam heat on uh (laughs) saturday night you know it's literally like negative 20 degrees and the steam heater just kicks out heat like have you ever around a steam heat oh Oh my god it's like imagine yourself in school 20 years ago when they had those like steam heaters that made noises don't have to imagine myself in school 20 years ago (laughs) i was in school 20 years ago but you know what i mean that old although i was graduating from high school thank you yeah so my building at work also has this steam heat but it was like so i was laying in my room on saturday night and the steam was just like pouring out it was clinking and whistling and it was literally like 95 degrees in my room and I was like going outside Steam so that I could cool off, you know, <laughs> and walking around naked in my hotel room and just feeling like I can't complain to the hotel staff because it's clear that this is just, you know, the whole building is trying to be heated and there's right. probably cold people somewhere in this building. And I woke up the next day and I was complaining to one of my um, the other classmates and he's like, you could have turned the knob down. You know how those old steam <laughs> yes. heaters have the knobs on the thing? Yes, I was well, mine was you... like enclosed in wood, and so I couldn't see that easily. So uh, I literally slept in like a steam sauna thing <laughs> for an entire na- night when I could have just like turned the knob. And it's really out of character for me not to like go to whatever measure necessary to make myself comfortable. Okay. So the fact that here's, I was like... Here's a clue, Pumpkin. Couldn't you have just called to the front desk? Is there a way I can turn it to I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I usually... You can I ask anybody really who knows me. I think the class really threw you me. for a loop. Yeah, you can ask anybody who knows me. I am one of those people who I don't let somebody... Something get in my way. Like, if I need something to be no, better... No, Fix this steak. You know, tell me where to go. I just... I always find solutions in situations like that. I'm not one of those people that just kind of like... Complains for no reason. Right. But if there's something that needs to be fixed. Or just kind of like lives with it. You know, I'm, I'm the person who does get a new hotel room if something's wrong with it, you know? And And I just, for whatever reason that night, I was just like, Oh, I'm sure it's about the building and and then to find out that I could have just called and they would have been like, Hey, reach under that thing and turn the knob down instead of sweat to death. (laughs) 
I was just like, what is wrong with me? So that was my weekend in Butte. Oh, I came back nice. yesterday. So nice. Yeah. yeah. So what's your week look like? Oh boy. Um, that's, I was thinking about that. It's going to be, I'm glad we're doing these on Monday nights. Which is that okay if we tell? Yeah, the yeah. Listening. Yeah, public. actually, I was going to discuss that with you afterwards, but I think Monday nights are going to work really well for this. Yeah, just um, know that, like, unless I'm really energized about something or whatever we're talking about, I'm going to be tired. Mondays, for long. whatever reason, are long. Every day is going to be long, but if for some reason I seem less animated or I have more difficulty talking, it's because Mondays, for whatever reason, like, are crazy. You know, I'm sure if I came in on Wednesdays, it would be the same way, but. We already had... Well, it's during the session. I think it's just going to be crazy during the session. That's, yeah. that's what will happen. We already had hearings this morning, like I said, in front of House Judiciary. Um, we have a reproductive rights bill tomorrow. The bill tomorrow, straight out the gate, is um, a bill to address... Well, it's um, Representative Regeer's bill that is basically entitled Unborn Victims of Violence. And it wants to make fetal homicide a crime. So you know what that means. So basically, you yes. can prosecute. Yeah, you can't have an abortion, death. but you could also. It, it makes it's a personhood bill, is what it amounts to. Yeah, and it's also supposedly trying to address like, you know, the death of a fetus from injury or right. intentional assault or whatever. We have always, as an organization, supported the other proposals, which is about assault on pregnant women, because you can actually prove that this thing that Regeer keeps trying to do, you can't prove it. And just um, tomorrow's the first hearing and it'll be the usual suspects on their side and the usual suspects on ours. And each session, and hopefully it'll be the unusual people behind <laughs> the bench going, you know what, let's not do this. Yeah. Well, it made it all the way through the process last session and um, Schweitzer vetoed it. But it was the bill last session that Regeer compared women to um, cattle, cattle and houses. And, um, you know, the female Democratic legislators like rang cowbells on the House and Senate floor and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how politicized it gets tomorrow. Um, so that's what we have tomorrow. And, and could you define the word interesting? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> interesting. Well, it's funny because, like I said, like we were prepared for battle in House Judiciary Committee every day last year. And this session thus far, it hasn't happened. We have bets on the table about whether or not Regeer will pass those pictures around again. Many people think that he learned his lesson last time and that it was insulting. But I, I put money down on the fact that he'll pass out the pictures again of the empty house uh -huh. and the cow. And compare me to that. So we'll see who wins the bet. Mm. So I'm like I said, though, there's five bills in House Judiciary tomorrow and there's, you know, bills every five? day. And yeah, so it's hitting the ground running. Harsh. We're starting out strong. So are we getting another 516? We'll see. I haven't we seen haven't one. seen it yet. I don't, I, I don't yet. know that Chris would be supportive of one this time. She kind of got her. She would be smart to, to leave it alone. Yes. You know, I've seen Laz Levy kind of lurking in the halls, so I'm not sure what he has planned. But so far, I haven't seen any of those. They're doing a lot of anti-choice stuff, so all of that's there. But we haven't seen any anti-gay stuff yet. Um, I know that Facey's bill to decriminalize homosexual acts will be up again. Supposedly, it's up maybe next week for a hearing. We're thinking about Good. a few other proactive gay rights stuff. But so far, we haven't seen the overturn local ordinance thing yet. Good. They shouldn't. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What else outside the legislature is going on in your week? My life is good. I, uh, I'm learning how to be, uh, I don't like the word step parent, but, uh, a, a parent of role model teenage. Yeah. 
so my partner has two teenage boys and I've become some sort of soccer mom, which is really fun. Did um, you get the jeans? <laughs> exactly. No, I still wear good jeans. But uh, it's interesting <laughs> because like I'm trying for the first time, I'm balancing a personal life and the legislature. I mean, literally, I have never been dating somebody in person while I was up at the legislature. So last le- legislative session, I had a partner, but she lived out of town. And right. so that was different. It was like, you know, I'll see you later. But yeah. uh, having to try to balance having a personal life. I know people do it all the time. But for me, between having to be the director of the coalition and a lobbyist, I literally have very free time, very little free time. Right. You know? But you also have another lobbyist this year. Yes. Correct? And that's helping significantly. But it's still a great amount of work, especially because, you know, she's still just getting her footing. And so I'm having to help with a lot of things. And, you know, I mean, I'm happy to put in 12 hour days during the legislative session. As much as it's exhausting, it's really important. And right. you do what you got to do. But this will be the first time that I try to navigate a personal life as well. So, you know, I'm like, <laughs> and okay, a podcast. yes, hey, I'll go pick that, up the kids, else, but I need to, uh, you know, so it's just one of those things where I'll figure it out. But nice. Yeah, well, that's good. But life is good. Yeah. Cool. We're on our countdown to our March 1st. I know. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I'm stoked. Is that Friday? Yes, it is Friday. Okay. That's over transmittal weekend, you know. So the only thing that might throw a wrench in our plans is that uh, that's the like, the thing is at seven p.m. and Transmittal right. weekend. That's fine because they don't do anything on Transmittal. No, no, no. I mean that's the one weekend I get to get away. So if right. I can incorporate something around this, that would be great. But well, just plan a full trip to Missoula and stay over there. Yeah, get out of town. Yeah, but or or go skiing on Saturday over at what is it Snowdown over Snowdown. in that area? What is it? I don't remember. There's a snowball. Snowball. Is it Snowball over by Missoula? There's a showdown. There's a snowball. There's Which one's over by Missoula? Snowball. Pick the one by Missoula. There. That's the one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know, go skiing. So now that you're coming back to life, what what's on your agenda? Um, well, one of the things that I kind of decided while I was gone is that I really need to uh, formalize my schedule a little bit more. Because I've been kind of lax with it. You know, I, I'm just making sure that I'm getting done with projects and I do things kind of on my own time. But I've got so much stuff going on with all the basketball that's happening in the conference, a couple other things I have to change there, um, a couple of client projects that I've got to get done, um, which one of them, it just fell behind its deadline and it fell behind and through no fault of anyone's. I mean, there was flu and a couple other things that happened and I couldn't get answers. So I was like, all right, well, we'll put it off. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're back. So there's a matter of just really kind of scheduling my day. And so that's the first thing that I'm doing tomorrow is scheduling how my days are going to work. Um, putting the gym in as a really important thing because not that I am uh, one of those people that's like, I have to work out all the time. I think I actually just function better if I go, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, take that for what it is. I don't right. necessarily buy all that crap, but. Um, but now you're one of those people <laughs> that says it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't know that it works for everyone else. And I, I know it didn't work for me before. Right. So, but it's, it's at this point in my life, this is the truth that I'm under. So, mm-hmm. okay, I'll go with it. <laughs> um so, but I've got choir, you know, actually I've got choir after this. So we do the show on Monday, then I got choir on Monday, you know, so Monday nights are busy. And then, um, you know, I'm starting a new, uh, troupe, uh, an improv troupe with John McClellan and Susie Wilkins and a couple other people. And we're going to be performing at the, uh, Lewis and Clark Brewery. Improv troupe. Yes. Wow. So that'll be fun. Like what I think of improv com- yeah, comedy like you, improv. You've stuff? seen um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen right. Second Stage and all that kind of second stuff. Second City. Yeah, Second City. Sorry. <clears throat> Snow down. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 
So how's it, that going to work? Um, actually, it should work pretty well. Everybody that's in it is funny enough on our own that it, it should work. And I've been in an improv troupe before. Susie's been in one before. Um, John, of course, being you know the lead singer of the Clintons, he improvs all the time to mm-hmm. keep the audience into it. So. Um, they had a rehearsal while I was gone. They kept me in the loop of what was working and what wasn't and how mm-hmm. to fix it. It's only three of you? No, there's six of us. I just don't know the other guy's names off the top of oh. my head. <laughs> you will. Uh, I will. And yeah, so it's it's just one of those things that, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. And it's something different to do. And it's a nice way to get out there and perform um, using different brain muscles than I've used in will a long time. Will it be time. paid gigs? Um Mm, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work. Any of the money that we get in is going to go towards the things like I'm we're paying for the logo. A good friend of mine who's also done improv. And actually I met her doing improv in Phoenix a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to design the logo. Um, so the money will go to pay back that. Um, we also want to buy some mics so that when we're <laughs> in the room, we can be heard. Mm-hmm. Cause, um, Cause it's not funny if you can't hear it. Right. Exactly. The jokes fall flat when all you hear is, Unless that was the joke, right. you know, then that, that works. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Um, just when's your first thing? 16th, two weeks next week. I don't know. And I don't worry 16th about 16th of February. No, January. Yeah. It's, it's hit the ground running. I believe it's next week. 16th? Yeah. Do you want to know oh, what today no. is? The 14th. 14th. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. It's rehearsal on the 16th. Okay. <laughs> no, we're say, rehearsing on the... By know, we're hit the ground running, you mean you're running into a wall, wall. on Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely. It'd be funny. <laughs> Clang. <laughs> Kevin shows up at the bar thinking he's meeting friends and he's in a, you know, improv yeah. troupe. Yeah. Um, oh, we're supposed to be funny now. <laughs> mm. Interesting. So sometime in the f- coming weeks. Right. So actually, um, and, uh, you know, it'll be good. I think, yeah, we're doing two weeks of rehearsals and then we're doing the first show on the first week of February. So, hmm. so that'll be fun. And then what else do I have going on? That's really pretty much it. I'm kind of looking forward to it being warm. I was going to buy some yak tracks so I could start hiking up the mountain in the cold, but it's so miserably cold until March. I just don't think I can do it. And then by the time March rolls around, it's pretty much, you know, it's back up in the 40s and 50s. And then, you know, I'm big enough that I'll be insulated going up anyway. So <laughs> I'll worry about yak tracks then. Because mm-hmm. I'm not climbing to the top of the mountain when it's 20 below. It's, it's just not so cool, going though. to happen. This yeah. will break soon. It'll get back up to warm. But these few weeks that we have that are like sub-zero are pretty well, then tough. We usually have this one. Thirty something. We usually have this one in January, but then we have the really horrible one that's like the second week in February, where it's like negative forty. Mm-hmm. Notice you don't have to say Fahrenheit or Celsius because that's both. <laughs> that's where they cross. That's where it's so cold. The thermometer just goes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's cold. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, you know, that week is coming still, and we'll have that week. And then what's really funny is that week is always then followed by the Chinooks. So the next week is like 47 degrees, and the wind's blowing. Well, I've heard that's warm. what's happening this week. It's supposed to warm up by the end of this week, and everything will melt. <clears throat> well, that'll be nice. Right I'll now, to, things are slippery. We'll have to talk to Mike Rollins up in. Oh, yeah. So that's the other thing. Did we not bother to, oh, I don't know, fire up the plows while I was gone? No. Nope. What is up with this town? No plows and no dirt anywhere. What which is up? I kind of appreciate because I hate getting broken windshield. But literally, last night I was driving to a dinner party. And I tried to turn on one street and I just slipped past the intersection, tried to turn on the next street, slipped past the intersection. I'm not going fast, you know, oh, and I have four wheel drive car. It's like, how are people getting around town without better wheels? Miserable. Yeah. Miserable. 
Yeah. So I'm not looking forward to the weather, but, you know, it'll be fine. We'll get through it. I think that actually this format for the show is going to be fun to have, you know, as we're going forward and talking about. Especially we'll have much more interesting right. things to talk about. There hasn't been a lot that happened in the logic. Plus, you got to get tuned in so you can banter with me about it. I do. I do. <laughs> I was going to make you talk about everything and just be like, I went to Vegas and here's what we're going to talk about. So one thing you didn't <laughs> probably see last night was the Golden Globes. <clears throat> I did not, but I did hear about Jodie Foster's speech. And okay. then I read the quote and I was like, if she was a little liquored, that would have been an You should actually watch the clip on YouTube. Okay. Why? I don't know, because I'm interested to hear what you think about it. Well, so. I read I read what, what was actually said, and in reading it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds exactly like Jodie Foster, and it sounds like something that she would say. And it's a perfectly legitimate outlook on life. She told her friends and family, those are the only ones who really need to know. Screw it. Right, but the whole clip, like, watch the whole clip, because it's not only just what she said, but it's her mannerisms. It is totally Jodie Foster. But um, she, she... Did she look a little sloshed? Had no, she, been drinking? she no. just... She's just Jodie. She's kind of awkward, and she, like you know, almost has one of those internal, external conversations. Like she's saying something out loud, but you can tell she's still kind of thinking it through in her head. And it was a lot of that. And then like some jokes that, you know, only she and a few people got in there and that kind of a thing. But you have to watch the clip to really get it. I thought it was really moving and all that stuff. But well, so what do you think about the sentiment that she has where it's like, it's not really anybody else's business? I think absolutely. I mean, (laughs) but I also think everybody last night was like, Jody came out. I'm like, um, she she's been out for a long time. Yeah, she she never had a public I'm gay. It's not like she did the She didn't need thing. to have a public I'm gay. You know, that's what's so silly about it is well, if you're uh, well, a lesbian, you knew she was gay. Well, yeah. Okay. She came out to the lesbians a while ago. Let me tell you that. What do you guys have like an underground telegraph? Well, or no, stuff? but there is lesbian magazines and stuff like that. And she's been confirmed gay for at least a couple of years. Okay, well, just so you know, Princess, um, the big thing that they were talking about that didn't exist was the big moment on Time Magazine right. where she pulled the L in, you know, yeah, that I'm gay. Of course not. Um, and she didn't do that. And her, her reasons for doing that are perfectly valid. Um, I don't necessarily agree with them because I think that, and, and especially someone like Jodie Foster, who truly is an amazing person, for her to not have the courage to stand up and be a role model for other people who need that mm-hmm. to come out. I think that's very, it's, it's an interesting choice. And I don't think it's one she's realizing she's making because she doesn't seem like as somebody who's weak willed in any way, shape or form. So I don't know why she's making that choice, but it's certainly a valid choice, you know, and, and good honor, you know, great. See, I think there's a difference between, I don't know. We could probably sit here all night and talk about this, but there seems to be layers to me. There's people who... Which is like an onion. <laughs> not not just her. I just mean like to this coming out thing. So there's people who have the sit down interview, the you know Time Magazine cover, all of that kind of stuff. And that's how they come out. Right. There's people who in different contexts well, okay. so there's the out, Ellen. Right. There's the so Ellen. there's But then there's the Matt Bomer. Right. The so Matt it's Bomer like, why do was... I have to come out and say anything that I'm already right. out, well, you know? But but she's kind of in between the two of those. And the no, reason the reason is because she has such stellar star power. She's such a big celebrity that the fact that she hasn't acknowledged and chosen to be a role model is right. is person. Right. Yeah. Is is odd. Um do I think it's invalid? No. Do I think it's not a choice that she absolutely can make for herself? No. She gets to make that choice. I don't agree with it because I think she'd be a phenomenal role model. You know, she proves that you don't have to end up like Lindsay Lohan just because yeah. you're, you know, different. You don't have to have, you know, the things that she was complaining about are the things that she doesn't have to have. She doesn't have to be. 
you know, I think she would deal with it a little bit more if she did open up like that. Certainly. I mean, the paparazzis are, you know, scumbag. They're going to do it. But I think if she did it right, she'd control the message a lot better than some of these other people have that have had it affect them in negative ways and could still be a really amazing role model. So what do you think, like, when somebody like Anderson Cooper finally said, yes, I am... Because everybody knew he was gay beforehand, and then he he had to like come out, and it's like, well, remember that that him coming out isn't for us, you know. And and same thing, Jodie Foster's coming out is not necessarily for the gays. It's to point to the straights who don't get it that this person that they admire is, you know, coming out is never about it about how the internal community sees ourselves. It's about how I see myself, you know, when I'm coming out, it's about how I see myself and it's how the non-gay community interacts with me. It has very little to do with the gay community. See, I guess that's, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm totally agreeing with everything you're saying. I guess where I get stuck sometimes is, um, you know, I remember when Ellen came out. I remember when Rosie came out. I remember when all of these people came out. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that feels like, um, and you know, this sounds naive because the fact that our culture is heterosexual, it's heterosexist, it's whatever requires you to come out and have this big statement, you right? Know? It's heteronormative, Whereas, right? And so, like, I I totally agree with what you're saying, but there's a part of me that really relates to the fact that, um. Like, why do you, why do you have to assume that I'm straight unless I tell you otherwise? Right. Well, this comes you know, down to actually, like, I'm not I living think... my life in a way that's not that I'm living my life in a way that's not straight, you know, right. well, that it... whatever. And, you know, I just, I mean, I never in my campaign, like said, I am gay. You know, I talked about my life. Like I didn't issue a press release that said I'm a lesbian, you know? But you know what I mean? Like, why no, would I, I? Why would I do that? But you know? you're not. A, so you're not at that level where. No, it's, I know. It's... I'm not. I'm not Jodie Foster. I get it. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's hard to when I, you know, became gay or realized I was gay and started having to live a when public you life. Gay when you were born. <laughs> but you know what I mean? No, I didn't identify as gay until I was thirty. So, I guess I just. Um, I totally get everything you're saying. And now I understand why it was such a big deal to people. Because honestly, in my world, like I knew Jodie Foster was gay and I didn't understand what the big deal was until now you're explaining, well, it's because she hasn't had some sort of public statement that people can attach to and then right. and there's, have as there's a role also, model. But I just still think that there's something wrong with the fact that like, well, you've we're also reacting remember against that. this normative thing where mm-hmm. somebody has to come out and do this thing. Well, you've also got to remember that she was in a position where her money protected her from having to deal with the stuff that we have to deal with every day when we're discriminated against Mm -hmm. her money and her fame protected her in ways that we don't get. Right. You know, and instead of turning around and not only walking away from that protection, but turning it around and using it as a weapon to make things better for us, she chose not to. And so a lot of people feel betrayed by that. Mm. You know, there's a lot in the gay community that were not happy last night. In fact, that's the only that, you know, Twitter, um, they Harvey, were happy because she. They're like, um, Harvey Fierstein tweeted, tweeted, I'm watching the Golden Globes. I heard what she's saying. I still don't understand it. You know, and he's been out since dirt. Right. You so know, people and, who and, are out and, 
in that public sphere. They want people to be like, I'm gay. Right. Because it makes it easier. The more of us that are out there, and you know, this is the whole coming out thing. The reason that you come out is because the more of us that are out there, the more people who know a gay and it's less likely that they're going to hate us because they know who we are. Yeah. You and know. I get all that. Like I said, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just also think that. You know, but it's her decision. It's not some people's style. Right. Know? And it's certainly not hers. And she was raised in a, uh, a, you know, a, a different time. Hollywood was a different place at the time and you did things differently. And this was one of those things that you didn't talk about. She's really one of the last of the old guard because she was a child star when this stuff happened. And by yeah. the time she like, figured when out, was she supposed to come out <laughs> exactly when she, when she would have come out, she would have, she was right in the middle of her career. She was working at Disney. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, no, mm-hmm. no. But you know, she's the last of those. You know, there's nobody since then that's had to follow down. That. She's one of the unique ones. She's still following the path that Cary Grant was on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, hello. You know, that's odd. Yeah, she just got the Cecil B. DeMille Award at 50 years old. Like, that's a career. Most people don't get it at 50. <laughs> right. You know, so you're talking about somebody who's been in film. She's 50 years old, but she's been in film for 46 years. Yeah. You know, come on, people. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is somebody who's been doing this for a while, and she's been doing it in a, in a different world. And you know, so yeah, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit odd. And there are some people who still feel betrayed because she's never stepped up to it. But to get back to your question on Anderson Cooper, you know, when he came out, his reasons for not being it was because he's not the story. You know, I I understand that to an extent until he launched the show called Anderson Three Sixty. Then it was his opinion about things that were going on. He was very much the story at that point. It was appropriate for him to come out. And the fact that it took three years after that kind of drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. But he did do it. You know, and well, he, did and he it also said that he but did it because got, he wanted young people who were, you know, being bullied or right, requesting themselves and stuff to see. He all of a sudden sees how important it is that they understand that you aren't going. Right. It's not going to get worse. It can so get is, better. It, is it the case that Jody has never done anything on gay rights and stuff then? Is that the story? Well, that's part of it, too. Mm. I mean, well, no, she's never confirmed that she was. She has done gay rights. In fact, I think she was the grand marshal of one of the pride parades at one point. But so See, that's my so, question. So it's you know, also it's like, like has the Latifah. person done something counter to the movement for gay rights, or no, is it just no, that they haven't come out? They just haven't know? come out, and it's, you know, part of like it Queen is Latifah has not come out yet, right? But and everybody but she's been the grand the marshal time. of the L.A. Pride and Oakland, but um, you know, <laughs> maybe she's not gay. Uh, okay, maybe she is. I would like to know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily get to know. It's not my public right <clears> to know, but. You know, right? I know, and it, it's it's not a. It would help in know. the black community if there was more oh, people who were yes. out. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, it would help in all communities if there were more people out. Yeah, the more but of us that are out, communities, right? Communities of color would the, obviously. The be more of benefited. us that are out, the better off we will all be. No matter your color, no matter your creed, the more of us that are out, the better off we will all be. Yeah. You know, be an ambassador from Queens. But we'll I do think the, the gay thin. community. I mean, and this is again like. De- Let's depart from Jodie Foster for a second. Mm-hmm. I do think that the gay community at times needs to be better understanding of the fact that people come out in different parts of their life. Like, I'm oh, not God, kidding yes. that I did not identify as somebody other than heterosexual until I was 30 years old. Why? And I, because I didn't fall, I didn't have feelings for a person of the same sex until then. Oh. And I had spent, you know, the 14 years of reproductive age before then identifying as a straight person. Funny, Google my name on the Helena IR website, and there's actually a letter to the editor I wrote in 
2004 or 2005 when I first moved back to Montana because there was all this anti-gay stuff about Christine Kaufman because her opponent in the legislature was saying all these anti-gay things. And I wrote this letter. And in the letter, it's like, as a straight ally, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Mike <laughs> sent it to me, Mike Wessler, the other day. And he's like, this made me laugh. And I'm like, I know. But, I mean, it was a year or two after that that I first, like, let myself have feelings for a woman. And to this day, I, I feel still, like we should get a couch and have a discussion. I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm telling this story because I think it's important. It is important that I, and I identified as a bisexual for oh, a long time. You did the bi-step? Uh, well, that doesn't I, and I bias, still, I do, I no, do understand. That. I actually still identify as bisexual mm. because I don't. And you know, then I learned this term pansexual, which even made more sense to me, which is basically that you're attracted to people regardless of gender in some ways. And that's me. I mean, I have realized that I prefer to date women. I prefer to be in relationship with women, but I'm attracted to both sexes. I, um, have emotions and feelings and the people, the men that I loved before the women I loved were as important to me as the women I loved. Like for me, it's not that, you know, isolated in categories. So, and even saying you're a bisexual, then people are like, Oh, you're just on the path to lesbianism. You know I mean? It's just like, so a like people need to be more understanding that you come out when you're ready to come out, right? You know? And you come out as what you are. At and the some time. people are it's gay fluid. earlier in their life, and some people it takes a while to figure mm, it out. I was gay earlier. In yeah, life. but you know, and it doesn't like people assume that I've been this way since I was born. It, I, I've been who I am since I was born, but in order for me to fully express who I was, it took me until I was thirty. Right. And well, it didn't and take me that long. To decide to run for public office, you have to decide how you're going to share that with the world. And so, no, I'm not Jodie Foster or some big you know, movie star, but people want you to disclose something to the world. And I am out. There's no question that I'm not out. I mean, that's how I live my life. You see me, I hold my girlfriend's hand. I testify. I do all these things that are very out, but I really, had I been forced to have some sort of moment where I declared that I would have declared it, but I would have been like, why is that the thing that I need to do. So I guess that's my only reluctance. I get why people are so important and they need to be out and it sends a message and to the straight people and all that stuff. But I also feel like for some people it's just a more complicated and it's also, um, it's still fitting into some sort of idea where I have to establish myself as like something compared to this heterosexist context. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I don't know. Interesting that you bring it up that way because there was a, I think Jamie shared it on Facebook. I don't think it was his post, but something about um, gay married couples are getting identifying cards Uh somewhere to tell people that they are actually legally married because, you know, of course, if a man goes into the hospital and a woman just claims to be his wife, they just take it at face value that it's true and let them in. And that's not the case with Mm -hmm. the non-heteronormative relationships that are now becoming more commonplace. They're still getting this sort of uh, and so we have to have a card to prove who we are and i'm you know i'm not dating anyone it's not like it's going to happen anytime soon sorry mom um (laughs) but if i were to get married the fact that i would need one of those cards will probably drive me over the edge that will be one of those things where i will yell scream and cry no there will be no crying it will be really painful for everybody who thinks that i need to have one of those cards to prove who i am mm-hmm. it will be very painful for anyone who doesn't accept it at straight at at straight value <laughs> at, at, straight <laughs> at straight face value <laughs> at straight value because that's exactly what it is if you right. don't believe what i'm telling you when i'm telling you is the truth you will have hell to pay 
Um, I won't ever be carrying one of those cards mm-hmm. if I'm married. I mean, I wouldn't be carrying one if I'm not married anyway, but um, th- yeah. it will not happen. I do not need to wear a yellow star or a pink triangle to prove who I am. And I think, I mean, those of us who live our lives out, there's also, I mean, there's a level of self-acceptance that happens eventually, especially if you're like really struggled for a while with it, that you just, um, you have to be reminded that like everything about you isn't, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. I can't believe I'm saying this into a microphone, but um, (laughs) it's like, I would have to be reminded that something about me isn't normal, right? That there's something about me that's not normal in comparison to something else. And really the only time I'm reminded of that is like when I'm at the legislature or when I read something, or when I think about this context that somehow I have to live this thing. That's like this big, huge political thing or whatever, as opposed to just like how much I love my partner and how much I love my life and whatever. And so like, believe me, I live in this political out there sphere, but there's also a part of it that like, I have to be reminded that it's part of this heterosexist thing where I have to like be different than this Right. This whole context, it's, it's, you know? You've seen the movie The Birdcage, right? Yeah. When that first came out, um, my mom and my sisters wanted to go see it, and they took me with, and I was like, okay, great, we'll go see it. And I knew it was based on Lacage, but I hadn't seen Lacage in a couple years, so I wasn't really attuned to it. But this was the first time I had seen anything of the storyline mm-hmm. after I had come out. So I go and watch it. I was pissed. I was fucking livid. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, well, didn't you love the movie? And I was like, yeah, fine, great, whatever. And I had to leave. And I couldn't really express it. It took me a couple of weeks of thinking about it to figure out what it was. But the whole fact that his son, who has known him literally his entire life, asks him to go back into the closet so that he can impress somebody else is so fucking insulting and so rude and so demeaning and so wrong mm-hmm. that I was livid. Livid, and I'm, and you know I've since watched it, and it doesn't bother me nearly as much now because I know it's not right. for farce. But I was literally at that point where I was such a new little gay, right? That Nobody was going to tell me to go back in the closet. Well, not even that, but the fact that you know the the story was these are the people that are the closest to you. My parents, you know, my mom and dad have been awesome about mm-hmm. being gay, and my sisters have never cared one way or the other. They're like, whatever, you're you, weirdo, and uh, but. You know, the story is that somebody who's the absolute closest to you, who means the most to you, could ask you to do that. Mm -hmm. And that was disturbing. (laughs) And and it was not not something I needed to see at that point at all. You know, I wasn't very stable in my own life in in many ways. And, you know, that movie kind of pushed me over an edge I didn't expect. And then, you know, you know, after I analyzed, you know, okay, well, where are these emotions coming from? What exactly is it? Get a grip. You (laughs) You kind of get through it. But, you know, it's just, it's not one of those things that I, I can't imagine anybody in my life asking me to do that. I can, however, imagine how I would react. (laughs) Yeah, well, but I mean, I think that you get to a point where you are, you are confident about who you are. Right. You are confident. And it's weird that anybody else wouldn't be confident when you have so much in yourself. And, and also just confident about who you are in the world. Like, I'm really clear about that. And, you know, it results for people like us in significant changes in relationships to, you know, having this thing where you have to be reminded that the world expects you to sort of clarify who you are because you're just so clear about who you are, you know? So when I talk about like coming out and stuff, part of it is just like, I have to be reminded that people would need some sort of explanation. Cause I'm just, I am really good with who I am, 
you know? Right. So the fact that I would have to justify that to you or explain that to you or do something that fits within your idea of what I should be, like, you know, I've paid way too many years of therapy for that to occur to me unless you tell me. And then I think about it like, you know, I mean, my relationships with people in my life have changed significantly. The people who have showed up and still love me for exactly who I am and in fact love me for the person I am. So some of them surprised me and then it absolutely sacrificed relationships. Like I don't have a relationship with my father and partly, you know, of course, like any family, there's lots of history there, but partly because when I came out to him, he wanted me to be something that I'm not. He wanted, he, you know, acted as if it was okay for me to be who I was, but that he suggested that I just kind of keep it to myself, you know? Funny, so, I don't think you followed his idea. No, and so, <laughs> you know, we haven't really spoken much in the last two years. And, in fact, you know, thanks for the suggestion, I decided to run for public office hmm. as an out candidate. You know, so it's just kind of like you have to make a lot of choices to live your life this way. And I just hope that people um, understand that it is really important to come out and it's really important to be who you are. But at the same time, part of being who you are sometimes is it's okay if you don't don't meet the expectations of everybody or else justify yourself to you other know, people happens you know? happens and that's that's kind of where i am with the whole thing i mean I'm, i'll watch the video at some point but it was very much a you know one i already knew and two i know she doesn't want to accept that role okay fine moving on there's there are other people, other people who do yeah and there's other people who will do a damned good job at it and right. that's okay and you know who knows maybe she doesn't want to do it because she knows she wouldn't do a, a great job at it because there's some other flaw in her that just makes right. her crazy fine great like being friends with mel gibson right <laughs> But um, I think that's it. I think okay. on that note, really, yeah, we're done. We're done. That was brilliant. way over time. No, we hour and twenty. It's nice to make it up. Everybody <laughs> hasn't heard us for a while. Plus, we ranted for twenty minutes. At right, the end. right. You know, random. Hello, this is the if show. If you gave up halfway through the show, you missed the good part at the end. Yeah, well, something we'll put that to in keep the post in mind. So everybody's yeah, it gets going a little late in the show, but enjoy it. Okay, so we're going to be doing these on Mondays at five o'clock. Yeah. Um, we will actually be trying not this next week because I don't have the time this week to get it in place. Um, in a couple weeks, we'll actually be trying to do this live so that people can listen to it on the internet as we're doing it because mm. that'll be fun plus i have to test the technology <laughs> and i'd love to be your test case yes this is my guinea pig kelson and uh, <laughs> oh i listened to your sh- uh, show with shane castle the politic tick boom so oh, really you're going to be starting at politic tick boom too i assume i am i actually talked to nick schwatterer and uh, Jen Gursky and uh, Ellie Hill. Cool. So I think I'm set for a couple, three weeks. All right. So it'll be fun. Well, yeah, One we'll person talk from to the right, guys. two people from the left. Life will be good. And it's like a do Exactly. Two steps forward, one step back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yep. And we'll see you next week. 